0: Welcome to episode 40 of the Gambots Podcast. I'm your host, Eric, and this is my co-host. It's Christian. On this week's episode, Christian watched season one of Big Little Lies. We both finished the new Amazon Prime original, Good Omens. I watched the somewhat recently released Murder Mystery. And then in some video game news, Nintendo has announced the Switch Lite and Dr. Disrespect's Twitch ban has ended. But first, Christian, you watched Big Little Lies, and this is not a show I actually have any concept of other than I've heard a
1: lot of people say it's very good. Uh, what is this show? It's very good. So <laughs> plot-wise, the, the show starts and somebody's dead, but you don't know who, and the series does a pretty remarkable job keeping it a secret from you despite the fact that you know about it from second one. The entire first season is just a build up to the murder and you only find who find out who was killed in the last five minutes of the finale.
0: That reminds me This is a little bit off topic, but what reminds me of Lost, uh, one of the later seasons when you find out John Locke's the one who died and you knew someone had died like the whole season. You just didn't know who.
1: Yeah. So the entire show, at least in season one, is told through a variety of interesting structures, I guess you would call them. The vast majority of it is told linearly from the start of one of the characters moving to town until the night of the murder, but they're very disjointed in in an interesting way, not in a bad way. Like I, I when I think of a story being disjointed, I think of like Batman versus Superman, where nothing really makes sense and you're zipping around through time and nobody knows where or why. But in this, it's more about like you a scene will either end just before something important happens, or it will start just after something important has already happened. And you don't find out what that thing is until a few minutes later, and it's told through these quick flashes as a, a character retells it or remembers it. But then you do have longer flashbacks, and then it also flashes up to the present, where the police are interviewing various other ca- like secondary characters as to what they saw the night of the murder.
0: That's a pretty interesting story structure. You don't see that, I would guess, really ever in uh, television.
1: Yeah, it's not something I'm used to. I, I, I'm really into it. It's it's done well. It's something that I feel like it's it could be easy to... It could be really easy to do this wrong and have it feel real disjointed, have it feel all over the place, but they do a really good job of this. Whenever
0: I had heard people talk about this, I had assumed it was a comedy, but it's not sounding like that. What
1: genre is this? Oh, definitely not a comedy. It's very much a drama. Yeah, it's, it's drama, it's mystery, it's a little bit thriller, but yeah, mostly just kind of human drama.
0: Are, are there any other shows you would compare it to?
1: It's strange, but it's similar stylistically at least to me, to like a Broadchurch kind of thing. It's the only thing I can think of that feels the same way that has cinematography that's just a spectacular the, the cinematography in this really blew me away. The music is also excellent, but it's not the same kind of music as Broadchurch. It's more it's more kind of like a soul and they're all like real songs. They're not it's not like incidental score music. It's just actual actual music.
0: Uh, is there Are there any big
1: names associated with this? Oh yeah, the cast is huge. So the the main five women are Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Kidman, Zoe Kravitz, Shailene Woodley, and Laura Dern. And, I mean, they're all very established names. And then there's a, a whole bunch of secondary characters. Alexander Skarsgård plays Nicole Kidman's husband. Adam Scott plays Reese Witherspoon's husband. And he's amazing, as he always is. But the the women are the main focus of this show, and they are all outstanding. That is
0: an insane cast for a television show.
1: Yeah, and it only gets bigger because in season two, they introduce uh, Meryl Streep. I mean, everybody in this show is absolutely going for it. like They are giving 150%. I think almost every single person in this is giving one of the best performances of theirs I've ever seen adam scott included
0: uh is there anyone who doesn't who
1: gets like overshadowed uh by the other guys i wouldn't say overshadowed i mean a lot of the secondary characters don't really do much besides kind of make bad situations worse the only one i would say is for one of, like, the five central characters, they don't really give Zoe Kravitz a lot to do this season. Just based upon the way the first season ends, though, I have a feeling that's probably going to change. But we'll see. I'm going to start it pretty much right after we finish here tonight.
0: How how many seasons of this are there?
1: There's only two right now. The The second season's on. It, it has one episode left. It airs this Sunday.
0: And and where uh, where can you watch this?
1: HBO, HBO Go, HBO Now, whatever you got, check it out because it is absolutely amazing.
0: It sounds like you're giving this a glowing review, but I gotta ask, would you recommend our listeners check it out?
1: Oh, 100%. Yeah, I don't know how people waited for season two. I'm so, I'm so amped up.
0: You're really talking this one up, and I really enjoyed the first season of Broadchurch, and then I kind of get out of it, but I, I might check this one out. Um, it sounds pretty good. How many episodes is in a season?
1: I'm not sure about season two. Season one has seven, which is a weird number for, for a TV show, but it's it worked.
0: Are they all like hour long episodes?
1: Yeah, forty-five minutes, I think.
0: Do you think this is the best HBO series you've watched this year?
1: Uh probably. Like the I, I've only really I've watched Game of Thrones, I watched Chernobyl and I watched this. And I mean Chernobyl was also amazing, but in like a completely different direction. This is just Chernobyl was interesting because it was something that really happened, right? So it was it was more about the drama of the situation, and this is more just a masterclass in like acting and cinematography. You know, uh, so I don't
0: I don't want to take us too off topic. Did you see like Rush's talking about making a counter documentary to Chernobyl? Since we talked about on the show, where it's pretty much just blaming the Americans for Chernobyl.
1: I did see that they're going to blame the CIA for some reason. I'm interested to see how that one turns out.
0: <laughs> In the past couple of weeks, Amazon has released an, an Amazon Prime original, Good Omens. Uh, now, this is based on the book by Neil Gaiman and Terry Pratchett. Neil Gaiman is probably uh, most known for American Gods which also actually got a television show adaptation. I read that book and I really liked it. And Terry Pratchett's most known for probably working on Discworld. Uh, I've not had a chance to read read that. Have you read either of these authors, Christian?
1: I have not. I remember thinking American Gods cuz it's on uh what? It's on Stars, I think. I remember thinking it looked awesome, but I never got a chance to cuz I don't have Stars. But get, beginning on to this one, uh, did you enjoy Good Omens? Yeah, you know, I, I did. I was, I don't know if I enjoyed it as much as I expected to, but I still did enjoy it quite a bit. Same. I really liked some of the episodes of it, and then the other ones they are fine. Um, I, I did
0: really like it, though. So the premise of Good Omens is that an angel who's played by Michael Sheen and a demon who's played by David Tennant are tasked to essentially stay on Earth and thwart the opposite side's plans to either put too much good in the world or put too much bad in the world. And over the many centuries, uh, they become friends. And then one night David Tennant has to deliver the Antichrist to a diplomat son who's supposed to kick off Armageddon. In I think it was what, 10 years or 11 years, something like that. Uh, and so it follows them trying to thwart Armageddon with a twist in the first episode. They actually gave the Antichrist to the wrong couple, so then it becomes Armageddon does not go as planned and it's them kind of scrambling to fix it and then you get off onto a couple side stories involving witches and winch hunters and the the Antichrist himself.
1: Yeah, this was uh it was goofy. <laughs> it was goofy in a lot of uh a lot of good ways. I really enjoyed the humor. I liked the uh like yelling at Noah about the unicorn getting away from the Ark. Like it was It was a kind of humor that I really enjoyed. Oh, yeah, it definitely had like a rye,
0: maybe not rye, but a British sense of humor to it. And I thought David Tennant was fantastic in this.
1: Oh, yeah, 100% agree.
0: So he plays the demon Crowley and uh, Michael Sheen plays the angel uh, Zarephal. Um, I think they were by far my favorite part of this. I thought they carried the show and I know they're following a book, but I I wish it had been more of them and less of a lot of the other characters.
1: Yeah, I think, I think David Tenno was probably my favorite on-screen character. Honestly, I really enjoyed, uh, Francis McDormand as the voice of God. I think she may have actually been my favorite character despite never appearing on screen. I thought she did a, did a good job. But I, I don't know if I'd say she's my favorite
0: character though. <laughs> so, like I was saying, it's more than just them. They have the Antichrist and his friends, um, and then there's a witch whose great great grandmother, so many greats down the road, uh, was an actual prophet and very accurately predicted what she had to do to help prevent Armageddon. And so you get onto like after maybe the third episode. A huge scramble to prevent Armageddon. There's the Four Horsemen of an apocalypse who have a pretty cool uh, update, and uh, so overall, like a lot happens in this.
1: Oh yeah, it is a very, it is a very dense show. Like there is a lot going on all at once, and it's
0: only six episodes too, and they're all like fifty-ish minutes.
1: The cast was much bigger than I was expecting it to be. I I don't really know. Uh I feel like some of them appeared in the trailer but I forgot like when John Ham came on screen I didn't really know what to do with myself. I was very excited. Yeah, he I I liked his character too. He's pretty funny.
0: The angels interacting with like humans and human uh customs and everything. I thought that was pretty well done. Yeah. Was there any part or episode that you particularly enjoyed?
1: Um I think it was episode 3 where the entire first half of the episode is just the story of the two of them on earth like all through history you get like quick updates into their life as as they've become friends over time same i think that was by far the strongest part of uh at least the strongest
0: uh half an episode it really reminded me of did you ever see the movie holy moses i have not uh it's an older movie i think from 1980s it's a parody um, but it's essentially like like a competing Moses or a story of Moses where, you know, they point out a lot of funny things that are happening and it's not really like the stories you generally hear of Moses or, yeah, did you ever see the Chris Farley movie Almost Heroes where they're like the competing uh, Lewis and Clark? No. <laughs> it, that, like that part reminds me a little bit too where it's like revisionist history to everything where you're seeing like another side that you normally don't. You should check out that movie, man. It's great. <laughs>
1: yeah, I'm, I'm going to have to. I I just thought that episode was wild because I hadn't really noticed that there hadn't been any opening credits sequence until it came on at, like, the 32-minute mark. It was halfway through the episode before we got opening credits in that one.
0: Yeah, well, that's the thing. They, like, lead right into it, and you're like, you, you get into it, and you're like, oh, man, okay, now we're starting.
1: It was a 50% of the episode was the cold opening. <laughs>
0: you know going from the stronger parts i i thought the weakest part of this were by far the kids uh and it's like cuz it's the antichrist and his friends obviously they're integral to the plot but i did not have a ton of fun with their episodes
1: yeah so i liked when the antichrist was interacting with the witch anathema i thought those scenes were fun but when it was just the kids i was yeah it wasn't great especially when like once he starts coming into his power and then he starts getting, it starts getting pretty strange towards the end and he just keeps shouting that his new friends are coming. I think every time they click back to him, he says that probably four or five times. And I was like, man, we you know like, you, like he needs something else to say.
0: One. I mean, it, uh, that was unfortunate, but I will say one good thing they did in writing, because this is a book, I, I think they've had to alter it a little bit, but I I think it, they do a good job subverting expectations of where this was going. Like, when you read the premise, it, the idea is, oh, okay, they're going to have to stop the Antichrist. And then through, uh, like, a mess up of the satanic nuns, that's not actually the story at all. And they're working with the wrong child for the, for like, first half of the episode. And no one realizes because uh, heaven and hell do not actually keep tabs on earth. They just believe whatever uh, Crowley and Aziraphale tell them. <laughs>
1: Yeah, there was, <laughs> that was interesting.
0: And I did like that they had the one running joke about the flaming sword. It was one <laughs> of the first jokes you had, and then one of the last jokes. So I yeah. thought that was great that they kept that
1: going. I have a question for you. See, if, see how closely you were paying attention. Did you notice what book? Because they roll up to that airfield in the second to last episode, and the guard is reading something at his post. Did you happen to notice what he was reading?
0: I remember when it came out, I looked at it. I thought it was American Gods, but I might be wrong.
1: It was American Gods. <laughs> I saw that and I laughed pretty hard.
0: That was a nice little little nod there. Uh, also, did you notice, I I guess this was based on the book, but all the music was Queen
1: music? Yeah, that was pretty cool.
0: So, Christian, would you suggest our listeners check this one out?
1: Yeah, I think I would. It, Like I said, it gets a little weird towards the end. Um, I wasn't really 100% sure what was happening at at certain points but it's a fun ride and it is it is a good uh there's a good humor to it so I did enjoy it
0: I actually really like this one I watched the first episode and then waited a week and then you had mentioned that you might be watching it I ended up binge watching like five hours of it one Sunday I I couldn't put it down I, I just really wanted to see what happens so I would suggest people check it out One more shout-out I want to give is to the most dedicated delivery man in the history of fiction.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: He literally kills himself to deliver a package to death. (laughs) So I I really enjoyed this one. If anyone else wants to check it out, it is streaming on Amazon Prime. I recently watched the new Adam Sandler and Jennifer Aniston movie, Murder Mystery. Christian, I know you haven't had a chance to see this one, so the basic premise of this is Sandler and Aniston are a married couple who are in a bit of a rut for their anniversary. Adam Sandler only gets her a gift card and feels bad about it, so he lies and says he actually got her a trip to Europe she always wanted to go on. While they're on the airplane out there, Aniston meets a rich guy in first class who they apparently have bars on airplanes now, Uh, and he invites them to his mega yacht for a party because... His ex had married his uncle or something like that, and he wanted to ruin the party. Uh, While they're there, the rich uncle gets killed and everyone becomes a suspect, and then it's a jaunt around uh, parts of Europe to solve who the real killer is, because Sandler and Aniston are wrongfully accused of it.
1: This sounds pretty fun.
0: Surprisingly, I, I don't know the last time I've liked an Adam Sandler movie. I... I saw the ridiculous Six, I think it was called, and I hated that. I saw, I think it was called the Do Over. I also really hated that one. I, I really thought Adam Sandler was just done for me. He was, he was never going to connect again. I kind of like to stand up a little bit. I from what I've seen, but I, I just feel like he's past his prime. This one isn't bad. It's not like one of the best Adam Sandler movies, but it's definitely uh, palatable.
1: Yeah, I honestly can't remember the last time I I probably blended with Drew Barrymore. I think I really liked that one. And that's probably the last Adam Sandler movie. Maybe the last one I watched in general. It's been a long time. So I, I think why I like him in this one is
0: in every other movie, I feel like I'm very aware that I'm watching Adam Sandler just do stuff. And in this one, he plays a disgruntled husband and he has some like his normal sayings, but I feel like that is Adam Sandler now is just a disgruntled husband. So so it's way more believable than him being uh, like a cowboy or a secret agent or something like that. That's where I actually see Adam Sandler in life right now. Yeah. So this is pretty much like any other mystery movie out there. They do a pretty good job of you trying to guess who was the murderer this whole time And they definitely give you clues in the beginning to figure it out, but I I was not able to figure it out until, like, the very end. (laughs) So, they they do hide it pretty well. I think there's some obvious ones uh, that they want you to think, and then they have a better underlying story for it, uh, which I I did enjoy. Right now, I I think it's funny. This is sitting at a 45% by critics on Rotten Tomato, but a 39% for the audience. I'm surprised that that's actually not flipped because usually critics hate these types of movies.
1: Yeah, no kidding. They're they're not often kind to Adam Sandler movies.
0: No, and the audience has actually hated this more. I I roughly agree with them. I think it's probably between a forty and fifty percent. Like I liked it. It's it's not bad to watch if you like Adam Sandler or you like you want to watch a comedic like mystery murder movie. Uh, I think there are worse ways to spend a Saturday night. Like you could watch Swiss Army Man, which was. <laughs> I was like checking my watch to see how much time was
1: left on it. I, I did, so I actually did didn't mind watching this one. It this one looked interesting, so I, I I had added it to my queue on Netflix. I'm probably I'm gonna have to get around to watching it now. If if it's gonna be like a fun mystery tour of Europe, I'm I'm interested.
0: Yeah, it, it's available on Netflix if anyone wants to check it out. Uh, I wouldn't put movies that you, like, actually want to see above it, but if you're just like, ah, I don't know what to watch, and you're going to spend, like, 30 minutes flipping around, you might as well put it on and see see if it catches your interest. So, Christian, you said you haven't seen Adam Sandler in one. What is your favorite Adam Sandler movie?
1: Ooh, um, man. I did like Blended. It was really dumb, but I think... I liked it not because he was in it. I think I liked it because of Terry Crews, who I love in everything. What was blended? It was, ah, oh God. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna struggle to remember it. So I think Adam Sandler and Drew Barrymore were work colleagues, I think, and they they got like shoved together to go on this vacation together. But the vacation ended up being for. It, it was supposed to be for like m- new married couples who had kids with other marriages. And so now the families were supposed to be squeezing together. And so they have to try and pull off this like fake out that they're actually married so that they can get this free vacation. And Terry Cruz was like the maitre d at this like fancy resort. And he was just a huge goofball the entire way through it. And it was pretty funny. Yeah, like I'm scrolling back through his IMDb now and that is 100% the most recent one of his movies that I have seen, which is wild. Cuz that came out in 2014.
0: Yeah, he is in a lot more rom-coms than I thought he was or family films like Grown Ups. Chuck and Larry, do you consider that a rom-com? You know, I think I I think I do. <laughs> I forgot he was in that's my boy. Oh my gosh, he's been in some bad movies.
1: There are some good ones that he was in like a long time ago, but it's been a long time. Like Don't Mess with a Zohan was really stupid, but I thought it was funny. Click was is honestly probably my favorite movie of his. Click is outstanding.
0: Click was good. I think my favorite movie of his is Little Nicky. I thought it was so stupid, but I I loved it. I thought it was very quotable. Uh, second place, like Happy Gilmore or Billy Madison, just classic Adam Sandler
1: movies. He was in a drama in 2007 called Rain Over Me with uh, Don Cheadle. And they both did a pretty remarkable job in that movie. It was he was in therapy after I think he was a 9-11 survivor or maybe his wife had died. I'm, I'm struggling to remember it now, but I remember that it was a pretty incredible performance from both of them and very outside of his box
0: i know he also did uh the cobbler which i didn't see but i heard was outside of his box it did not look interesting though
1: yeah that's i i agree i remember seeing that on netflix
0: Video game news, Nintendo has announced that they are going to be releasing a switch light uh, Christian, correct me if I'm wrong, but I do not think you have a switch, do you
1: I do not I have the p s four uh
0: the switch light is essentially a switch, but it's only in handheld mode and I guess for our listeners, if you don't know what a Nintendo switch is, it's basically a tablet with controllers on it that you can put into a dock and then it take the controllers off and then it appears on your t v and you can play it like a normal video game console. The normal Switch costs $299. The Switch Lite only does a handheld mode, so the controllers cannot be detached. Uh, it's essentially like a Game Boy or the, uh, like a super good 3DS at this point. It's going to be sold for $199, and it's supposed to be launched on September 20th. I'm curious because, you know, you, I, th- I feel like you like video games. Uh, does this something that interests you?
1: I don't know that it's going to be worth it. Like I have I have the Wii U that I hardly ever play and I've I've screwed around with the Switch at other people's houses and it's been interesting like but I don't know that I would pay $200 for just a handheld.
0: Yeah, it's kind of where I'm sitting. I own a Switch, so I'm obviously not going to buy one, but I just don't know how to feel about this, and I I don't know if we're the target audience. Maybe the target audience is children. I just I just don't know where they're going. So I was really out of Nintendo's consoles for probably since Nintendo sixty four until the Nintendo two uh, DS, which was super cheap. Is why I ended up getting it because I wanted to play a Pokemon game, and at the time like three DSs were I want to say about $200, or 3DSs were about $200 or more, but a 2DS was like 120 with Pokemon. So I got it, ended up loving the system, and it was like my gateway. I ended up buying the 3DS, and then I got the Wii U, and I got really into that for about two years. So I could see this being a gateway console to someone who's kind of interested to try things out, especially when the new Pokemon games get released, because that is a flagship franchise that just ships consoles. Yeah. And then they end up loving it and, and being back in the Nintendo universe, uh, so I, I could see that. Where like two hundred being a price that they can stomach paying uh, versus three hundred for the full console.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I, I just I feel like it's already a handheld because you can like you can take it out of the dock and take it with you on car trips or anything else. I I just feel like if you are gonna go in on something like this, just spend the extra hundred and get the console version.
0: Nintendo is known for doing this. Uh, If you just look at their iterations of the past 10 years, so you had the Nintendo DS, the DSi, and then you had the 3DS, which is a completely different console. Like, the the DS couldn't play 3DS games, but 3DS was backwards compatible. Then you had the 2DS, which dropped the 3D part, and then the 3DS XL. Uh, Just the naming conventions alone on that are ridiculous and confusing. And then you had the Wii and the Wii U, which sounds like they're related, but they're not. They're completely different systems.
1: Well, I mean, they've always kind of done this, even back before all that. I remember I had the Game Boy Pocket, which was still in black and white. And then it went to the Game Boy Color, which was all, which could do, you know, very simple colors. But do, before that, they had the Game Boy Colors, but they were just like different colored
0: consoles themselves. They didn't actually have color. <laughs>
1: And then they had the Game Boy Advanced, which was uh, which was wide instead of long, and then they had the Game Boy Advance SP, which folded up, and that one was my favorite because that
0: one was cool. The clamshell was a good one.
1: Yeah, but that's it's the, like there was no real tangible difference between the Advance and the Advance SP. It was literally just they moved the buttons around and put a hinge on it. There was no new like technology as as part of it. I feel like I'm pretty up to date on video games. Uh, but if I went in there, I'm like, oh,
0: Switch Lite, I don't know what that is off the top of my head. Like, I have to think about it. And so the Switch Lite will not play every game for the Nintendo Switch. There are some games which you cannot play on handheld mode. So you, you won't be able to play that. And I'm guessing they announced Witcher 3. I'm guessing that won't be on handheld mode. Could you imagine a parent going in there not being aware that maybe whatever their kid wants to play, like, you know, it's completely useless. It's a paperweight at that point if they only want to play that one game.
1: Yeah, that would be a bad Christmas.
0: I mean, I'm sure it'll do well. Nintendo's done this before. They they changed up the specs on it a little bit. I think the screen's a little smaller, so it has a little bit of a better battery life. Anyone who has like invested in the Nintendo Labo uh, realm might be burned a little bit because I think you need to have the detachable Joy-Cons for that, or you're going to have to try and work around it in some way. Or people who are like, oh, I want to get this because you know we use it as a tablet and we play games on it, uh, Like the Switch commercial show, you really can't do that anymore because there's not a stand and then also the controllers are attached to it. So you'd either then have to get two sets of Joy-Cons and just have one, like, you know, it sit there. I, I don't know. At that point, you should just buy... Because, like, the Joy-Cons are, like, 60 bucks. you could just buy the $300 console.
1: Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I remember when the Wii came out, there was this big... Split between where these companies were putting their money, Nintendo chose a different route, right like Sony and Microsoft decided to put all their investments into like high quality graphics and Nintendo put theirs into this fun new like not not really virtual reality but like motion control system and Then the Wii U came out and everyone was like, What is this it's the it's the same thing and now that xbox and PlayStation have started kind of catching up. I'm interested to see what Nintendo's gonna try to do next, cause a a console that's also a handheld, I don't think, is gonna cut it for very long.
0: The Wii U was weird. It was it's basically the prototype for the Switch, right? Like you had the giant gamepad. And I actually like playing on that a lot. Um I like the touchpad and stuff. It, like Mario Maker on that was awesome. So they've been doing that weird half generation step where it doesn't seem like they're going after the same audience as like PlayStation and uh xbox are it seems like they're going they're trying to be either a secondary console or they're going for a much more casual market because i mean they put doom on the switch and i think they put the newest wolfenstein but you know some of the games even now are not looking great they recently ported mortal kombat to it and on handheld mode it does not look that great and they also did uh, Bloodstained, uh, does not also look very good on it. So we'll we'll see how it fares in the long run, especially once PlayStation 5 and whatever the next Xbox are officially announced and come out. In our final bit of gaming news, Dr. Disrespect uh, recently has come back from his two-week ban from Twitch. Uh, Did you see the controversy surrounding this one, Christian? not really no uh, so doctor disrespect is a twitch streamer i don't watch him very much one of my friends does and he he's a pretty big fan of him uh, but i never got into him i'm i'm not really into twitch personally uh, so he was banned after doing an in real life stream uh in e3 and a couple of his streams he essentially just walked into a bathroom and started filming from a stall but while in the bathroom he caught other people on camera obviously using the bathroom and i believe one of them was a child Uh, which caused a lot of outroar on the internet. I am pretty sure he got kicked out of E3, and then he ended up getting a two-week ban from Twitch. Good. (laughs) Uh, So once he came back, he had about 80,000 or so concurrent viewers, and it went down and stuff. But it seems like he hasn't really faced any repercussions from the ban, and if anything, I think he got a little bit of notoriety from it where uh a lot of his fans circled the wagon and have been supporting him. Allegedly he was banned uh I guess he wasn't banned, he was suspended for violating Twitch guidelines, which I, I'm I'm not too well versed in those. So I just uh wanted to I think an interesting question is do you think Twitch should be involved in like policing their content like this?
1: Yeah, I mean that's against the law. Like it shouldn't it shouldn't have just been twitch it should have been like legitimate actual authorities
0: yeah and that's the one thing i i'm a little bit unsure if the the authorities got involved or not because it's in california i have to imagine there's like laws in there about not filming people using the bathroom especially children i, I mean granted in his defense he wasn't like going up to the kid and streaming it was in a, a passing shot but still like that's that's not cool
1: no, like there was a story a few I mean maybe like a year and a half ago about that Instagram influencer who took a picture of that old woman in the like the gym locker room and she got like she got crazy fined. She just was in court a few weeks ago.
0: I I think Twitch has to ban him because they're the they're the body who's in charge of this because it's their company. But at the end of the day, I don't think they're actually like an impartial party. I feel like there needs to be someone else who Actually goes over Twitch guidelines and and makes sure his people are like following them because Twitch has a vested interest in having Doctor disrespect back. Like they don't want to give him a full time ban because they're making money off of him. And it reminds me a little bit of an NFL situation where this this like suspension was was more or less like a slap on the wrist. And it seems like he only got it because there was a lot of outcry uh, similar to the, like the Ray Rice situation when he'd face no repercussions until a video came out. And then the NFL kind of had a backstep and everything seemed really arbitrary. Uh, so that, that's my stance. on I'm worried that they're just going to arbitrarily enforce their rules where like bigger people on their platform, get away with more and a smaller streamer does something not nearly as egregious. I I bet they get much longer suspensions.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, this is going to be an issue that's taken, that's, that's all over the place right now. Like there's, there's a lot of discussion, about this on Twitter, how much do you let public figures get away with just because they're public figures, and they they drive the like the the discourse and what they say is news making and and whatnot? Do you allow them to stay on the platform just because of that? Because otherwise, like you said, you're just arbitrarily, arbitrarily applying your terms of service and choosing to ignore your terms of service when the person has enough followers.
0: Yeah, and and it, yeah, that's true. And it's a weird situation because they're not a governmental entity, so I guess, like, they can do whatever they want. But at the same time, like, you're entering a binding contract where I feel like the assumption is that everyone who's using the platform is going to follow these, and if they don't, you'll follow through with actual repercussions. And when people don't, you're in a little bit of a weird position where, I mean, you can quit whatever you're doing, but I I, I feel like Twitch even—or not Twitch— Twitter at this point, even though I'm pretty sure the company just loses money every year, is going to stay in existence because it's become such an important way to deliver, essentially, personal platforms. Alright, and now we're going to play our Amazon review game. Just a quick recap. Christian is going to read me a five-star Amazon review for a movie. I will get two yes or no questions to help me narrow it down. I can then ask for another review, get two more questions to help narrow it down some more, and then I get a final review, two more questions, and I have to guess. Uh, We're keeping score this year. If I guess the right movie with only one review, I get three points, two points for two reviews, one point for one review. I'm ready when you are, Christian.
1: Okay. Please believe me when I call this a lovely film due to its warm attitudes, very unusual displays of family nurturing, and large heart. The cast make this movie among the most manly movies today, yet each of them during numerous scenes demonstrate a kind of courtesy famous to the South. I remember well the differences when visiting my aunt, uncle, and cousins in Georgia when the Navy was transferring us from New York to Texas. Even when they were serious about things, their excellent manners helped to smooth rough patches quickly. The robbery looked like in the planning stage during the operation and after the fact are three different enterprises that are more confusing after the show being over now than they were as it happened. I think the difference between this film and any of the oceans was less about comparing the enormous hall or location and more about the vulnerability I felt about the characters.
0: Oh man, I feel like you're giving me a ton on this one, Christian. And I, I feel like the Oceans movie, I'm guessing it's not an Oceans movie because they said, unlike the ocean ones, but heist movies are <laughs> kind of a blind spot for me. Uh, is, is Vin Diesel in this? No. Southern people doing heist. Was this movie released from the year 2000
1: on like 2000 to now? Yes. Okay. I want to need another review. Okay. Steven Soderbergh's triumphant return from semi-retirement is not to be missed. If you're a fan of good caper stories or a Southern drawl, he assembles an absolutely stellar cast and definitely weaves together characters and cameos into a charming good time. That is something between the oceans 11 and the Dukes of hazard. With so many over-the-top blockbuster-style CGI extravaganza movies bombarding the cineplexes of late, it's refreshing to see a well-crafted film that relies on characters and story rather than over-the-top special effects. Too much fun and two thumbs up.
0: Ooh, is Adam Driver in this? Yes. Um, God, I forget the name of this movie. Not (laughs) Baby Driver. Uh, do they have a heist of a nascar race in this yes is this logan lucky yes okay awesome i love that movie (laughs) i forgot the name there for a second i'm just forgetting all the names today
1: yeah i also really like that movie a lot more than i thought i would all right
0: guys thanks for listening before we head out uh Christian, what are you playing this weekend? Also, you played Mortal Kombat this weekend. I'm curious
1: to hear what you thought about it. Yeah, so I don't think it was Mortal Kombat 11. It said it was Mortal Kombat XL, which I'm not really sure what that is or where it fits into
0: anything. That's 10, but it was like with a lot of the DLC, I believe.
1: It was super fun. There were like towers and stuff that you had to to climb up. There was like an endless one that we were taking turns seeing who could get the farthest. Yeah, I have literally never played Mortal Kombat before this weekend. I had a lot of fun. We played it for quite a while.
0: Yeah, man, Mortal Kombat is awesome. If you want to try it out, let me know. I can lend you. I actually have the disc for 11. Oh, nice. Who was your favorite character that you played with?
1: Oh, Kung Lao, is that somebody?
0: Yeah, the guy with the hat he threw.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, there was a version of him where he was like a gaucho, and you could turn his hat into a buzzsaw. It was super fun. So what else are you checking out this week? Well, The Lion King comes out this week. I'm really, really excited for it. It's one of my favorite Disney movies. I've been excited for this remake for quite a while. It came it premiered last weekend to not good reviews. It's on Rotten Tomatoes. I think it it came out to like a fifty-eight percent. I think it's over sixty now, but kind of barely. So that makes me nervous. But uh yeah that's the big thing I'm looking forward to this week
0: yeah i I mean I haven't seen any of the really the Disney remakes, so I wonder if people are just going to get fatigued by them because there's so many coming out. uh hopefully you enjoy it this week I'm going to really make an effort to check out Stuber because we're going to review it next week, so I'm forcing myself to get there at some point between next before next Monday It's great i'm'm I'm, I'm very much looking forward to it 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 looks awesome. Otherwise, I'm still playing Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. I am I think pretty close to the end, but I don't know how far I am from actually platinuming it. I think I got to put some some time in after that. I recently picked up Mario Maker 2 for the Switch, so I'm pretty excited to be messing around with that because I love the first Mario Maker that was like my pick up and play for 20 minutes uh, at a time game. So those are pretty much the three things I'm going to be focusing on this week.
1: If time permits, I'm also gonna try and watch Crawl. It came out last week. It's about, like, a bunch of crocodiles that invade this Florida town during a hurricane, and then the, the, the girl's trapped there with her dad. It looked incredibly dumb, but I've heard good things from the people coming out, with, and I don't believe them, so I'm excited to get in there and try and watch it myself.
0: I heard that. Did you by chance see Midsummer? No. I was curious how that was.
1: I heard it was bad.
0: Oh, really? I heard mixed reviews because I heard some people say it was pretty good and I did not think it looked good.
1: Yeah, no, it's by the same guy who did Hereditary, which I really hated and so it felt from the preview like it was going to be similar and uh, so I was not very keen on getting back in there.
0: All right, guys, thanks for checking out our episode. If you would like to give a Amazon review game uh, suggestion or if you want to contact us anyway, any way, you can email us at gambots.blog at gmail.com or we can be reached on Twitter. We are at Gambots Network. Otherwise, uh, thanks for listening, guys.
1: Thank you.